Welcome to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. This is our weekly podcast from our Sunday services. Who's ready to climb a mountain in 2023? Yes. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you made it. You made it. Turn your other say, don't worry, you made it too. If you're here in the house, we're so glad that you're here online. We're so glad you are awake, alive, and kicking. Who, just by a show of hands, made it to midnight last night? Raise your, wow, let's applaud for all of you right now. Who was in bed by 10? I'm my, both hands are up with you. Now, the only challenge was at about 11.35, I think our neighbors had the largest fireworks show this side of the Mississippi. It shook the house. I was awakened thinking, oh man, I got to protect or something. But then I realized it's New Year's. Well, Happy New Year. I love the New Year. I love January 1st. It is a time for something new to happen. Amen? I just believe God has great things for you, great things for Portland Christian Center, and our best days are right in front of us. And what's cool is we actually did some pretty cool things last year. Didn't we? Pastor Rick was telling us about different things. And I mean, I'm just so grateful for every single one of you. I just want to say thank you. Mayel and I are so glad to be here. We can't believe it. Six months we've been here. Thank you for being a part. We're just so excited. And uh, we love you. Thank you for being so gracious. And I also want to say one more, just thank you for all of the different Christmas gifts that this church has given to our family. Our boys felt like they had three Christmases. So thank you. Thank you. We love you. We're, we're just so grateful. We're, we're in, in this brand new season. Obviously, it's 2023 and we're starting a new series called Anchored. Say Anchored. Anchored. And, and anchored is, is just going to be this word for the year. I've been praying about it. And I'm praying that you would be anchored as well. Now, the question is, what are we anchored to? What are we anchored to? This is so important. I want to show a picture really quickly for, uh, to you really quick. This is uh, a carabiner. I'm sure most of us are aware of this. Carabiners are really important. Um, if you are going to climb a rock wall or a mountain, you want a carabiner. Now, a carabiner is only as good as what it is anchored to. I watched somebody try to climb uh, it was a rock at a camp, and they were trying to climb the rock, and they had a carabiner, and, but they didn't have any anchors. There was no anchors, and so they were trying to connect it, and I'm not kidding you, at a Bible camp in Black Diamond, this person fell 15 feet and sprained their ankle. And quickly, everyone was upset with this person because it clearly said, on a sign, please do not climb without supervision or without the camp there to help you. This person was going on their own doing things, and guess what? They got hurt. You know, I find a lot of Christians, they live their lives the same way. 
They think they've got it all figured out. They had some time in church. Maybe they've read a verse or two. But the problem is they may have a carabiner. They may have some things that, that will help you climb, but they have no anchor. In fact, you know that statistics tell us from LifeWay Research that 32%, only 32% of Christians who go to church read their Bible daily. Only 32%. That's like climbing a rock wall without a carabiner, without an anchor point. And today my prayer is for every single one of us that Portland Christian Center that we would have 100% of our church anchored in the Word of God this year. Oh, we'll try that one more time. My prayer is that we will have 100% of our, I, I know it's early, okay, I know, it's New Year's Day. We're going to warm up a little bit, you ready? Let's shake, shake it out, come on. Turn to your neighbor, say shake it out. We're going to wake up today. Shake it out, all right, all right, we're awake. All right, you ready? My prayer and our pastoral team is that we will have 100% of our church reading the Bible every day. Come on. There we go. Yes. There's our family. Come on. And so what we've decided to do is we have gotten a tool. I hope you've seen this. Has everyone got their life journal yet? I hope you have. You can also get it on the app. I'd encourage you to do that. It has your Bible reading plan because our vision is that we would have people reading the Bible in every space and place in the city of Portland because God's word transforms and changes everything. We discover who Jesus is and what he has for our lives through his word. So my question to you is, What's your plan? You know, dreams, people have dreams. People have New Year's resolutions that don't make it to February. People have all kinds of things, but here's what I want to tell you. Without a plan, without action steps, your dreams will just stay dreams. You might as well go back to sleep. We have to have a plan. So here's our strategy. Every single one of us will be in the Word every single day, reading the Bible out loud, and I'm believing we're going to see miracles at Starbucks. Yeah. I'm believing that we're going to see salvations at the YMCA. Some of you who go to retirement homes, I'm going to see people rejoicing and praising God. They're going to be people healed. Come on, somebody going to join me? Yeah. All right, there we go. We're still shaking it out. It's okay. It's okay to be excited, church. So you're like, man, Pastor Nate, what did you drink this morning? Coffee as usual. I'm just excited because I know the truth that when the church is anchored in the Word of God, filled with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, that we are unstoppable in Christ. It's not based on what I'm saying. It's based on the Word of God. So my prayer is that every single one of us would be anchored and the word of God. And as I prayed, the verse that God showed me in Hebrews, we're going to put it up on the screen. This is the verse that ties in with anchored. It's Hebrews. It should come up here, hopefully, in just a moment. There it is. 6, 19 through 20. It says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf, he has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. When I read that verse, I am reminded that I have an anchor and his name is Jesus. He went before me and he's saying, I am with you. So who can be against you? 
So my prayer for all of us is that we would be anchored in God's word and we're going to do some great things this year. Are you ready for some great things? Now, one of the things that I've found out, man, I've been here six months and just yesterday I figured out how to lower one of the hoops in the gym. So important. I'm finding things about this building all the time. It's incredible. This church is amazing. And so being new, I want to say welcome. And some of you are like, man, I'm new. How do I get connected? We want you to be connected on your seats. Did everyone get one of these little connect cards? Look at it. There's so many ways for you to get connected. Better Together is just uh, two weeks away, January 11th. I, want, I looked out here. I saw one thing I was excited about, but um, I'm, I'm not really invited. It's Sisterhood. Come on, where's my, just in case, ladies, where are you? This is for ladies. Guys, I'm sorry. Sisterhood, where are you at? All right. They have an incredible thing coming January uh, 27th, 6.30 p.m. right here. La the last one they did, man, they had people get touched by God. There were salvations. There were healing. It was just powerful. So if you're a lady, you need to go there. Men's breakfast is coming. It's all there. So the question you might be asking is, how do I get connected? Boom, it's right here, all right? Are we good? Also, you can go online, pcctoday.com. We have so many great things in store for Portland Christian Center and what God's doing. And I just want to invite every single person. There's a next step for you. Turn your neighbor and say, there's a next step for you. There's a next step for you. All right, well, we are anchored in God's word. And so today we're going to do something different. I want to warn you, this, the way that my teaching style normally is, I, I'll, I'll, or at least so far, I shouldn't say normally, is I like to change it up a little bit. Um, sometimes I'll use topical messages. Sometimes we'll just use this one scripture verse. We'll go different places. But today we're starting a series in Anchored, and we're going to go through the book of Ephesians together. Who's ready for Ephesians. It's going to be amazing. And so I want to encourage you, as you do your Bible reading, we're going to go through Ephesians. And so what today is, I'm going to try and go through uh, the first chapter. But as I did my notes, we would be here till next Tuesday. So we're going to do uh, just the first 14 verses. Okay, so you ready for that? We're going to go through the first 14 verses. And we're going to be anchored in God's Word. You ready for this? All right, well, let's go ahead and pull up our Bibles and we are in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. It should come up on the screen. And uh, I want to read you the very first sentence. It says this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. I'm reading out of the NIV just so you know. I, I don't know if I said that. But Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. I have to stop right there. Paul knows who he is. Right out the gate, he's saying, I am, what does he say he is? An apostle. An apostle. One of the greatest problems I believe facing the people of God in our churches today is that they know how to get to church. They can give you different verses. They can sing songs. They can clap on beat. Well, at least most of us but they still don't know who they are in Christ. If you don't know who you are, you will always struggle following God. God has given us a blueprint in his word. That's why we're going to be anchored for you and I to discover who we're supposed to be designed by him before the creation of the world. 
He has a plan for you. But the problem is so many people, they just stop right at the cusp of finding out who God has designed them to be. I had a friend named Patrick when I was in college, and we were in a pastoral Bible class. And we were studying to be in pastors. And we were going through all these different things. And he stopped the whole class. And he just started weeping right there in the middle of class. 19 years old. And he says, hey, I got saved when I was 16. My youth pastor, he led me to Christ. He started talking to me and he just said, you need to go to Bible college. So I thought I need to be a pastor to be just like him. I guess that's to be a Christian. And he said, as you pastors are talking, I have no idea what you're talking about. Nothing's making sense. I go to business classes, study finance. Everything makes sense. And he just began to cry in the middle of class. We gathered around him. We prayed with him. And I just think so many people whether they're in Bible college, sitting in the church, out on the storefront, they have heard about Jesus. He loves them, but they haven't discovered truly who they are. And today I want to give you some good news that you can discover who you are in Christ. You can discover, and that's the goal of what I want to talk to you about. But before I get too far ahead of myself, I have to give you a little context because if I don't, this won't make sense. So here's the context. Ephesians was written by, anybody know? Paul, yes. And he was written by Paul, and he was written from Rome to a place called Ephesus. Now I want to show you a picture of Ephesus. Ephesus is modern-day Turkey. And as you look at that, you can see the different places. Paul would preach from the Colosseum in different places and declare the word of God. Now, if you have your Bibles later, you can go back. But in Acts chapter 18, 19, you see Paul planting this church. He actually stayed there for three years with Priscilla and Aquila. Then a man named Apollos happened. And some amazing things happened there. He actually prays over a cloth, anoints it, and they take it to some people. And guess what? They get healed. But I want to show you a map really quick of, of, the, of Paul's jersey. So if you look up there in Rome, way up in the top, now you see in the middle, that's Ephesus. So Paul is up there in Rome. And this is about, uh, this is a few years after he's planted this church. He leaves and he's writing back to the Ephesians. And the, why, are they, why are they called the Ephesians? Because they're in Ephesus and this was a nickname for them. He's writing back to them and he's telling them God's plan, God's will for their lives. And, and, I, and I want you to kind of like, maybe we need to shake ourselves again because sometimes when we get a little granular, people are like, oh, you know, this is hard. I want you to focus. This is so important. This is almost a warning. Because this church, can we go put the picture up real quick? Sorry. In, in, in Ephesus, it's thriving at this point. People love God. There's miracles. There's salvations. The church is growing. He's advancing. But when you read the book of Revelations, there's a church that's listed that forgot their first love. That was this church. And one of the things we all must remember is that if we are not anchored in the word of God, if we are not anchored in our identity in Christ, it is so easy just day by day to do this. Just a little drift. Just a little drift. A little compromise. I'm not sure if God's still good. 
You know what it actually looks like? People offend us. Don't look around. People offend us. Anybody been offended in church? Okay, let's try that again. Anybody been offended? Yes, we all have. And what ends up happening? We go like this, like this, like this. And if we don't guard our hearts and have an anchor for our souls in Christ, if you don't know who you are, the warning is you will leave your first love. The one who saved you, the one who redeemed you, the one who freed you, and the one who has a plan for your life. The big idea, if you're taking notes, I hope you write this down, is in Christ you have an anchor that is unshakable. My prayer is that every single one of us would find that anchor in Christ so that when people disappoint you, when the dreams that you had don't go the way that you wanted, when your health changes, or how about this, what happens when you're successful? Do you know so many people walk away from God the moment they get everything they wanted on this earth? It's because their anchor is not in Jesus, it's in their circumstances. And so today I want you to read through this with me. It's such a powerful, powerful passage. Um, and we're going to keep reading. But as we keep reading, I want you to count, and we'll get there in just a moment, how many times, and I'll give you a number so we count together, Paul says this, these two words, in Christ or in him. As we read through it, I want you to count it with me because if you understand who you are in Christ, you will discover one of the most important things about your life, and that's your true identity. That's your true identity. Hey, we made it to verse one. All right, verse two, we ready? Here we go. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so good. Verse three, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. You ready? In Christ. Say number one. In Christ. Now, in Christ, and we're also going to highlight when he says in him, which means he's talking about Christ. You ready? For he chose us in him. Number two, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. Now, when it says sonship, that actually, this is the NIV translation. When you go back and look at that, it also includes the ladies in the house. So sons and daughters. Are we included? There's neither slave nor free, male nor female, Jew nor Greek. We are all one in Christ Jesus. So sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. You ready? In him. Number three, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us, now here it is, the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring 
unity. Hello. Unity. Say unity. U-N-I-T-Y, unity. Some of us may not know that song. Mostly because I probably sang the wrong note. We must realize that God is desiring to bring unity, but what's the enemy trying to do? Divide us. But that's not God's plan. To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Our big idea. In Christ, you have an anchor that is unshakable. I want to highlight something before we move on. This is really important. There was a word in there that I'll be honest with you, I probably wasted way too many hours in Bible college and in my master's debating with other Christian believers. And maybe if you've been around church for a while, you know this word. The word is predestined. It's all like, oh no, are you really going to go there? Yes, yes. Now, I'm going to go there. I'm going to touch on this briefly, but I want you to understand that if I were to unpack all of this and talk about this, we would be here a long time. So we're just going to go really briefly. So everyone understand this is just the, the, the Cliff Notes version. Are we okay? Cliff Notes version. So Calvinism and Arminianism, two camps that people have wrestled with. And you're like, what in the world is that? Well, Calvinism, if you were to boil it down, says this, that God in his supremacy has already, because he knows all things, he's all powerful, he's immutable, he doesn't change, that everything that is going to happen will happen because he says it and that's the way it is. No chance uh, for you to make a choice. You think your choice is actually uh, it's actually, you don't have a choice. It's already done. You're just kind of acting it out. Then you have the Arminians over here. We're like, no, 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 no. I get to decide my fate. I'm in charge of my life. It's all about me, 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 me. And the challenge with that is that these two extremes don't actually play out well with what Scripture actually says. Because if you read one of the most famous verses in Scripture, John 3, 16, here's what it says. For God so loved the world, right there. He loves the world. He's got a plan. He gave his one and only son. So right there, that's God's plan, right? Over here. Well, then what does it say? That whoever believes in him would not perish. Oh, wax on, wax off. We've got some Mr. Miyagi going on. That whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. So somewhere, and this is the beautiful part, this is the mystery. And by the way, the Bible says that right now, you and I see dimly as a glass that's just clouded. But one day when we get to see Jesus, we're going to see everything clearly. So if you're like, man, this is really hard to understand. Yes, welcome to the club. But instead of shying away, you know what you're supposed to do? Press in closer. Study more. Go deeper. Find out more. Grow. Be anchored in the word of God. So somewhere in here and here is where we live. In that beautiful mystery of following God. And I want to illustrate it just a little bit further this way. When I was in middle school, I tried out for the baseball team. Seventh and eighth graders got to try out, and they put them in two teams. One of the kids that was one of our best players, he was a seventh grader. He was playing, and he looked, man, he looked great. Everybody thought he was awesome. He, 
the coach posted the list of all the kids that made it. Eighth grade team, seventh grade team. This was a seventh grade boy. And he wasn't on the seventh grade list. Tears started streaming down his face and he just walked away and went home. Next day I show up to practice and the coach looked around and he said, where is Tim? His name is Tim George. Where is Tim? And I was like, well, he got cut, coach. He was like, no, he didn't. He was a seventh grader that made the eighth grade team. He only looked at the seventh grade list. So it was like, kids, let him know he made the team. We got to call his parents. So he sent the coach out to the school office. Call, this is before cell phones, by the way. Called the family and said, hey, your son made it. He's like, oh, sorry. He was all devastated. Came back the next day all excited. Why do I say that to you? Because God's been choosing you your whole life and many people think he hasn't. You've been chosen. You've been called. You made the team. And it's better than you thought. Okay, we can clap for that. Let's wake up. Here we go. Come on. Stretch it out. Stretch it out. It's so important for us to understand. Because you may think, oh, I'll just make the seventh grade team. God said, no, I'm calling you the eighth grade team. Now, for a middle schooler, that's the big time. Never believe the lie that God's not chosen you. That he hasn't picked you. That he's not for you. And if God is for me, then who can be against me. I want to give you one more verse that will help you solidify this, I believe. It's 2 Peter 3, 9. It says this, and this is talking about God. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Why is that so important? Because there are believers that believe this lie that some people are just destined to hell. If that was true, why would Jesus need to come? It's just not true. That verse right there says he wants everyone to come to repentance. So God is choosing you. He's picked you for his team. And if you're going to be anchored in Christ, the first thing you have to understand is that he's chosen me. And he has a purpose for my life. And he has an identity for me to understand. So let's keep reading. So how many in hymns have we found? Well, look at some of you are counting. We're at four. All right. All right. We got four. I think we only have four. We're at four. All right, we have some people give me an extra bonus point. All right, we're at four. Verse 11. In him, five, we were also chosen having been predestined. There's that fun word again. According to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory, and you also were included in Christ. Oh, six. When you heard the message of truth that the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him. What number is that? Seven or eight. <laughs> Better watch out. Someone's got a lot in here. All right, we'll have a recount. Hey, we're not electing anybody. <laughs> it's okay to laugh. Come on. You were marked in him with a seal, the promised uh, Holy Spirit, who is, deposit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. How many would say that being in Christ is important? In Christ, you have an anchor that is unshakable. So 
going back to the most important question all of us must answer in our lives. Who has God designed you to be? What's your identity? If you don't get this right, the rest of your faith will always be a struggle. Paul knew it right out the gate. The number one thing that you must understand, and if you need to write this down, write down verse number five. Verse number five, and here's what it is. The number one thing that God says you are when you receive him as your Lord and Savior, number one, is that now you are a son and a daughter. I was expecting more excitement, but that's okay. You are a son and a daughter. Verse 5, this is what it says, and I'm reading out of the NASB translation. He predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. The most important thing you must understand is that you are in Christ, a son or a daughter of the King. The problem is so many people, they say, oh yeah, yeah, I got that, I got that. If you got that, why do so many people struggle with doing rather than being? Because as soon as they lost their do, they have no idea who they are. And what do I mean by that? I've seen so many Christians year after year after year after year, they were doing this in the kingdom of God and then God changes their assignment and they're supposed to be doing something different, but they loved what they were doing over here. God, don't change my season. Don't change anything about my life. Don't change it. I want to do this. But God says, that's cool. But what if over here is greater? What if over here is actually my purpose for your life? You see, if your do is more important than your who and who you're becoming, you will always struggle with your faith. Because when your identity is tied in what I do, man, things change, folks. I was a youth pastor for eight years. Thought I'd always be a youth pastor. I used to work at a golf course. And I quit the day they made me pick up golf balls on the driving range while they were still hitting balls. <laughs> I'm thankful for some seasons that change. Anybody else? But I want to encourage some people today. Think about who you are in Christ, not what you do in Christ, what you do for Christ. I've seen so many churches, they're built on talent, and you, you have too, if you study some of the things that are happening in our culture. The moment the talent's gone, the church, why? Because it wasn't anchored in Christ. Yeah. I don't even need to name a name. You can already probably pull out five or six just like that over the last five years that have popped out. Being anchored in him gives you a foundation that is unshakable. And this is a challenge. And, and, and I want to be... I wanna be um, I want to be careful when I say this because there are people in this room that you're struggling and you're in pain because things have changed. And I want you to know I love you. God loves you and he sees you. And go back to your anchor in Christ. Go back to your anchor in Christ. It could be a ministry in church. It could be your family. It could be a lot of different things. But being anchored in Christ as a son or daughter will change your life. I watched a family 
on uh, Instagram open Christmas Day and one of the pictures that they, they had a picture of frame that was opened and this boy that was opening just started weeping. And it didn't really make sense and he ran over to the other side of the room and gave this man a hug and it was adoption papers. He became a son. His whole life he'd been an orphan. We should have the same reaction to our Father in heaven. Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When you were lost and broken, he came for you. He says, you're my son, you're my daughter. Isn't that enough? Isn't that enough just to be in his presence? Because in his presence is fullness of joy. My prayer for every single one of us is that you would understand in Christ, you have an anchor that is unshakable. And you are a son. All the men in the house, will you say, I'm a son? son. Ladies in the house, will you say, I'm a daughter? daughter. In Christ. In Christ. That's who you are. Then, once you've discovered who you are, you have a ministry, point number two. You have a ministry to do. You're like, what does that mean? 1 Peter 2.9, for you are a chosen people. Oh, you're chosen You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he has called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. You have a ministry. You have a ministry. You, all of us have a ministry. The goal, though, is to understand what God has for you in that ministry. So many people... Don't take the time to figure out, I'm going to give you a couple of tips of how to find this, but how do you discover what the ministry God has for you to be? Number one, hey, you got to be available. So many people are so busy. They have no margin in their life. I was talking to one of the guys in our church, uh, Steve Craigrew, amazing man of God. He was talking about a former pastor had challenged him. He said, you give 10% of your income, right? What about 10% of your time? Whoo! Hello. But not only do we want to have time, so you have to make time to serve, right? To give ministry away. But you need to discover the divine design and gifts God has given to you. One of the funniest, most hilarious things I used to enjoy was that, remember that show American Idol? When they would do the montage of the people that thought they could sing, but they couldn't sing? Anybody else just enjoy that? I loved it. My sunshine on a cloudy day. And then when they didn't choose him, you know, they would be like, oh, that judge has no idea. No idea. I'm so good. One of the ways that can help you discover your ministry gifts is to ask people in your life who love God. They'll be the mirror for you. Pastors, friends. What gifts, what do we see in you? What ministry do you have? But here's the next biggest lie. If I'm not on stage or preaching, my gift, my ministry is second rate. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Let's just expose that right now. We are called into ministry wherever we are as sons and daughters. A lot of people know the, the Methodist movement. Have you heard of the Methodist movement? A man named John Wesley. He's the one that started him and his brother. Uh, w- during my, um, when I was getting my master's, I got to go 
to their house where they were raised. And what most people don't realize is that John Wesley had a mom named Susanna. And Susanna was an amazing woman of God. Her husband was the pastor of the church. And after doing some study and actually talking to the lady, walking us through the house, um, the lady said, actually, um, Susanna was a way better pastor than her husband ever was. (laughs) But she never preached in the pulpit. She would actually preach at the dinner table. What most people don't know is she had 22 children and only nine of them survived. She knew pain, she knew suffering, she knew sorrow. She would purpose one hour a day for one of her kids on a rotation to have quality time with them. She was the homeschool teacher for her entire house. And what most people don't know is that she would teach them on Sunday afternoons because she was so disappointed with her husband's teaching. (laughs) And whoever was speaking that week, I know, right? Isn't that funny? That people got, started hearing about her teaching and they started showing up at the house in the afternoons. She at one point had over 200 people in her house and in the backyard listening to her preach after her su- husband's Sunday morning service. <laughs> but here's the part that marked me the most. When she, people would walk by at the exact same time every day, They could look up at the big window and they would see Susanna sitting on a chair with a long apron over her head. For two hours a day, she spent time with God. It was like her tent of meeting with the Lord. It is said that John Wesley, in his lifetime, preached to over a million people. There's no John without what God did in Susanna. And some of you here are parents, some of you are grandparents, and you believe the lie that you're not ministering them to them right now. They're in session right now. They're at your table right now. They're in your house right now. Your Facebook posts, school's in session, folks. Everything that you're doing is ministry. Because God has called you sons and daughters, and he has a plan for your life. Could I have the worship team come in? And get ready to play. So the great big question that we've got to answer as we're being anchored, what's my identity? What's my ministry? The big question you have to ask is what's God's plan in all of that? And here's the plan. What is God's plan? It's called the ministry of reconciliation. Unity in the body of Christ. You and I are called to discover who you are in Christ, the gifts that he's given you, and to get in the game and to be about his business in the world, with people, and with God. Have you looked around the world lately? Do you see anything broken? We've got work to do. How about relationships with people? Don't look around, don't nudge anybody. What about people next to you? In this room, there's a ministry of reconciliation that needs to take place. Maybe you're here and you're offended with God. There's a ministry of reconciliation for you as well. Jesus is here to touch your life. After the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln was asked, why didn't you destroy the South? 
You know what he said? Go ahead and put it up on the screen. Madam, do I not destroy my enemies when I have made them my friends? Reconciliation is the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit to turn enemies to friends, orphans to sons and daughters. If you're here today and God has seemed to be your enemy, my prayer for you is that you would receive his grace today. I just feel like there's an anointing right now. There are people that have been far from God. Would you just close your eyes wherever you're at? There's people that have been far from God. There's a brokenness inside of you. You're hurting. You've, you're struggling. Maybe that part about you're at, you found your identity not in just being a son or daughter, but in what you've done. And you're like, man, I, I just, I'm so hurt. I'm so wounded. I'm so defeated. I feel so lost. If that's you today, I just believe there's a ministry of reconciliation. The Holy Spirit is going to do a work in your life. Would you just slip your hand up right where you are? I want to pray for you. I see the hand. There's lots of hands. Yeah. You need a work of the Holy Spirit. Lots of hands. So much pain. I understand. So much disappointment. Go ahead and put it back down. Father, right now I pray for those hands in the online right now in Jesus' name that you would do a work that only you can do. The ministry of reconciliation right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand, church? I just believe the Holy Spirit's working. We're going to sing this song. Jesus, do what only you can do. Jesus, do what only you can do. Would you lift your hands with me, church? He's working. He's stirring. Father, I just pray right now that there would be a beautiful... I just feel like there's people that are sidelined right now. God's saying it's okay to get back in the game. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. He's not done with you. He's chosen you. He's called you. He's with you. It may not look the way it's always looked, but he's calling you into something greater. 2023, your greatest season is right in front of you. Don't allow offense or disappointment to hold you back. Be anchored in Christ as a son or daughter of the King. You don't have to live sidelined. Will it look the same way as always looked? Of course not. It's going to be better. Because Jesus says, I make all things. Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us online for our live stream at 1030 at live.pcctoday.com. 